Oh, there's something like this, an emptiness about SF that I don't it's like. An like there's no soul around. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe SF is weird in that way. <laughs> yeah. Like it's... But I think it's just all cities for me. Like London as well. It's the same thing. I just can't, like, I can't stand a place where there's, there's cars everywhere and there's noise and there's stuff going on. I just yeah. want to be able to sit in the backyard and just chill. Read a book or, have yeah. A, you know, make yeah. a fart and have no one here. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you can do that in the city. Nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> really cares. List. everyone this is alex hobbs tuning in just at the start of the episode just to let you know that uh this week's episode we have some adult language which i did not censor uh in the past i've tended to you know censor that out but in this episode it would definitely detract from the conversation and i didn't want to do that um you you may have already seen an explicit tag on the episode uh i just wanted to let people know because this was different than normal um and in general in the future just look for an explicit tag uh but if, if you're wondering if, if the episode has adult language and that matters to you. Um, at any rate, uh, enjoy the episode, and I'll talk to you halfway through. Bye. Welcome to the farmhouse. Uh, my name's Alex Hobbs. Jordan Smart. And our guest today is... Alex Ronell. Alex, we're so glad you could join us. It's it's You're our fourth fourth episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exciting times. Getting out there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, could you could you tell you know uh, our listeners just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and, and maybe some of your interests, and just what you know? Damn, we're jumping right yeah. into it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we go ahead, We like to start real quick. Here. So it's like a speed dating format. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Alrighty. Um, I guess uh, yeah. I'm Alex. Um, d- d- just finished my Air Astro Masters here at Stafford, and uh, I'm from uh, a place called South Africa, which some of you may or may not have heard of. A tip of Africa, right down there. Uh, I come from a tiny ass little town uh, on the coast called Neisner, um, which is spelled very strangely. So if you actually see the name, you won't know how the hell to pronounce that. How do you uh, how do you spell it? K N Y S N A. Okay, you are correct. I would not know. How to I, mean, say. I mean, I feel like the not pronouncing things is true for most Americans for most places <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Period. Yeah. yeah so um, I I kind of I was born in Neisner. I was schooled in Neisner. Um, Love the hell out of that place. And then, yeah, I went to university in a, another small town called Grahamstown, Rhodes University. That was like five hours along the coast again. And um, after that, do I still, like, yeah, I guess I'll give like a quick little... Yeah, yeah, until, do like, whatever you want, whatever okay, you want. Yeah, we have sure. plenty of other questions. So okay, perfect. So, <laughs> Go as long as you want. Yeah. <laughs> after that, I went to London, worked there for two years. The weather was crap, so I decided to leave that place. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's and, not great. Um, and then I, I, I kind of went back to South Africa for a year and a half, did some engineering. Uh, then I applied uh, here to, in the States and luckily got in and yeah I've been here for two years and I, I love the place it's it's beautiful it's pretty nice yeah it's pretty damn yeah. nice so <laughs> one of the best places I've ever been yeah. to that's for damn sure you, so. you yeah you've been fortunate enough to come to one of the most beautiful parts of the US <laughs> <laughs> at the start of oh, your so time oh so the rest is US. crap oh well I'll stick in <laughs> look I mean we're from New Jersey so it's 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 we know all sides of the yeah, US they're I mean, all great New but. Jersey's kind of like California's 
demented, like twisted, <laughs> oh gosh. like like twin. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's like a little shrunken. <laughs> inv- it's like Superman and Bizarro. Superman is California, and New Jersey. Like there are mountains, there are beaches, yeah, but they're a... all kind of the worst versions of the ones that are here in California. It sounds like you really love home. Yeah, it's always yeah, good yeah. to hear these super, things. Super, super miss it. Super miss it. Can't wait to go back. <laughs> the oceans are a little warmer. Yeah, but so you share different brown. perspectives of your home, then at least. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good to know. Yeah, you well, love it a little bit more. I got. We got hoagies. I miss hoagies. You don't even know what a hoagie is, do you? Is that an animal? Or, or like... <laughs> <laughs> a hoagie. Do you know? Do you know how most people call long sandwiches filled with like deli like and meats and cheese? Yes, yeah. they call submarine sandwiches. All right. Okay. In southern yeah. New Jersey, they're slightly different and better, and they're called hoagies. Oh, okay. Is this uh, a subjective better or it's like turning? No, it's better. No, it's, okay. it's better. Yeah, okay. oh. it's, it's, it's better. Will the Californians agree with you there? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> don't add me. <laughs> so that's the, is that the best part of home is the hoagies? Uh, it's, you know, friends and family too. They're great. But, you know, it's... it's true, it's, true uh, that's always... You, you, yeah. you can't they're, forget they're, them. They're yeah. great people to share a hoagie with. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday hoagie. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So Neisner, 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 I guess you could say, I've never really thought too much about the word. It's yeah. Like, Neisner. <laughs> don't say it too many times, I'll get confused, actually. Yeah. No, I, I, I got confused <laughs> saying it, yeah. How, how, how big was Neisner? Uh, hey, it's still there, man. It's not it was. It is. Okay, still, <laughs> sorry, how big is Neisner? Well, it hasn't kind of been absorbed into a black hole or anything. But no, actually, there were fires like two years ago, which kind of destroyed most of it. There were like, lots of houses were burnt down and like our forests were kind of nailed pretty badly wow. so it's kind of like the california fires i guess yeah, but yeah. we'd really never experienced that so right. uh kind of like i live right next to the water and kind of there's like this big lagoon and across from the water there's this uh like a mountain or really big hill with and it's fully forested that just was like a barren landscape wow. afterwards. and there's like Ooh. nothing there so Jeez. um yeah and lots of because there's like a lot of logging that happens there so um kind of I guess the, the logging industry, the timber industry took some serious shots as well. Wow. But uh, in terms of size, it's kind of hard to define. So they say like it's about 70,000 people, but that's really okay. like really spread out. Because sure. it's, it's okay. pretty yeah. rural, you mm-hmm. know. So yeah. you'll have your, um, like your, C, uh, no, you don't call it CBD, you call it um, down, you have your downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The downtown of Nice is pretty damn tiny. You know, there's, there's uh, like a few shops. It's very touristy because mm-hmm. we're in, by the ocean. And we, right. Like there's a lot of uh, cycle races and stuff that go in there because we have oh, really? the, the mountain tracks and things like that. Do you like the, the do you like big professional or just like people visiting? Oh, a uh, big, or both. Big professional gotcha. and, and people really cool. visiting. So that's, I guess that's kind of, because it's uh, tourist oriented, they they push the, the cycling aspect of it because they're like, well, that's our biggest asset. Yeah. So they have a lot of like cycling events and, and people from all over the country come yeah. down and... Yeah, we were rated, I think, town of the year, like three, three years in a row. Nice. <laughs> yeah. In South Africa or just in general? In South Africa. <laughs> no, 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 smaller competition, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not so, not so uh, good as, as the rest of the world. So. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I've learned anything from Hot Fuzz, that means you're hiding a terrible secret. <laughs> Shh, um, don't tell anyone, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. That's that's a nice little... So so how yeah. far were you from sort of the major metropolitans? Uh, I guess uh, I always tell people, because Cape Town and Joburg are like two or Johannesburg yeah say, those oh, are the two, oh, the, two yeah. the two places so Cape Town which is uh southwest like the south southwestmost part okay yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah southwestmost yeah. part of, of South Africa um if you take a southwestmost part you drive five hours east along the coast you're gonna hit uh Niza, oh okay, okay. Gotcha. so yeah we're in like an area called the garden route 
So okay. it's supposedly quite scenic. So there's a, a there's like a band of towns in the garden route that mm-hmm. uh, tourists like to come to and, and I guess just hang out and and not worry about the rest of the stresses in their lives yeah. for a few weeks. So, That's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you just said something. What did you call Johannesburg? Joburg. Joe Joburg. Johannesburg is far too long to say. You can't just say Johannesburg the whole time. What are you doing? You're wasting seconds of your lives. I guess that's why they call it like Frisco too. I've heard Frisco. I don't. I don't like it, yeah. but I've heard Frisco, San Francisco. Yeah. Oh my! You are shitting. Well, because well, the thing is, there's also like other towns that are just called Frisco. Like, yeah. in Texas. Sounds kind of weird yeah. as well, though. Frisco, uh-huh. like, yeah. kind of like frisky business or something. <laughs> I don't I don't, oh yeah, I don't. I don't really like it. it sounds but I've heard like it. a chip. Like, you know, you got your Fritos, you got your Fritos. <laughs> yeah. It does sound like a chip. You're yeah. right. I just call it SF. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. like short and sweet. That's fine. Yeah, SF is good too. I've yeah. noticed that, well, before I came out, I called it San Fran. And oh, I, no. And I was like, oh, no. And I was like, that's probably what people call it here, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. And then when I came here, no one called it that. But I yeah. noticed that when, like, friends talk about it back home, mm-hmm. they also call it San Fran. So we have this misconception of, you know, like, <laughs> no, it's not San Fran. Yeah. Like, but I suppose in the local area, you can call it SF. But if you live in Flint, Michigan, or, <laughs> yeah. or something like that, then maybe SF may not make sense. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. they'll call it Frisco then. Yeah. Well, no, no, don't, don't, yeah. I don't think you yeah. yeah. I've just heard it. It doesn't mean someone was right. Let's avoid that one. <laughs> um, so... You you also said you you so you've now gone to school in both South Africa and the U.S. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious. I like know nothing about like I'm always <laughs> curious about others. Uh, uh, you know, my mom was a teacher, mm. so I grew up in a very education oriented family. Uh-huh. I'm always curious about like other countries' educational systems and, and that sort of stuff. Sure. I mean, I'm probably not the the best person to talk to you about that. Yeah, yeah. I was a lazy no, bastard when I was a kid. So <laughs> I mean, I I barely got into university because I didn't give a crap about school, which was a really mm. bad idea. But uh, when I finally managed to get in. Um, I, I started taking it pretty seriously. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. like, should, if I screw this one up, then, then I'm shit out of luck. So, yeah. so I, I took it seriously once I got to university, but in high school, I, like, I was, I didn't care at all. Right. So the educational system, it obviously depends on private versus public schooling. Yeah. So the private schools have huge amounts of resources as right. any place in the world yeah. uh, with a private school. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so there's there's been controversy throughout the years with with uh, kind of how the government is dealing with its educational problems. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for instance, I remember a few years ago they w- they weren't even able to like deliver basic textbooks to schools out in rural areas. Oh, so that geez. that's been a really big problem. I, I I'm not too sure what's happened since right. then. I hope that it's um, that it's gotten a lot better. But that is one of the big problems, at least from the you know the the primary and secondary right. levels. Uh, schooling hasn't been top-notch unfortunately so yeah that's that's where a big push needs to be made but in terms of uh the university level again i guess we don't really have like these ranking systems that that america loves to do it's like i don't know you know so it's a it's a bit different it's not nearly as competitive that's for damn sure so i mean for instance uh when i went to undergo there was no kind of sat nothing they just look at your school grades and they they say oh oh, it's uh, he'll he'll be fine Mm -hmm. you know like send them in um, uh, so yeah, like the I guess you have UCT that's or University of Cape Town that's like our most well known university, but even then internationally that's not too well known. I don't think sure. so. Yeah, I mean education as a whole is it's it's pretty tricky to define. Yeah. It's it's like state of health, you know. Yeah. So did you um, did you do public or private? Uh, in terms of schooling, I yeah. did I did public and private actually. Gotcha. So yeah, my Next. my primary school I went to. Nice a primary, love that place. <laughs> sounded, sounded sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I just hated school, you know, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And then in high school, I went to 
nice and high, of course, level two. There we go. And then uh, I, I stayed there for two years and then I went to a private school for the, the last uh, three years of high school. Um, a little hippie school called Heather Hill, which had about 50 people in it. So it was, Whoa. It was tiny. It was pretty much in like someone's Ooh. house, essentially. Mm, um, and they, they like, what did they, they had like the, the Cambridge system, HIGCSE or something. So there's a, that's like the UK based mm -hmm. education system for high schools that they implement in certain places. Um, and yeah, so I, I kind of jumped around between private and public schools. Yeah. And then the university, we, we don't have such a thing as private universities in South Africa. Okay. Uh, usually the private, well, they're, they're, they're like private tertiary education institutions, but they're not really regarded as universities. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. sure I'm, I'm wrong in many aspects here, but, <laughs> but it seems that like the private universities are actually the ones you don't want to go to. Mm. Okay. Um, so yeah. So the gotcha. public ones, that's where most people go to. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow, 50 people in here. You got to get along with your classmates. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fight so many people know about that. Yeah. So it's just like, oh. But yeah, there was, we had a strange thing where we even had a smoking corner. So like you could just, I didn't go and smoke. I didn't do it. Right. But yeah. Like it was, there were like a bunch of misfits there and things like that. So it was interesting. I really liked it because it gave you the freedom like a university. They didn't mm -hmm. care if you didn't go to class. They would just fail your ass, you know? So it's like, sure. oh, okay, yeah. it makes sense. So maybe it prepared me in a way for, for university when I finally got there, you know? So yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we tend to not be very good about the just failing people here. In the, um... <laughs> so I've noticed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was quite, I was like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah, no. Everyone's got pass. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's nuts. Uh, that's... That's really cool though. Uh, let me take a look. So I usually edit these out, but it's me looking looking at what questions I have set up uh -huh. and I can sort of oh, chat nice. with you okay. about. Okay. Um, I should have come with a bunch of questions for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite dish? Like, these tough questions. You know? you, we already <laughs> answered that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's always of course, it's the There's more Oh my God, it's still going. Yeah. Uh, 22, no, oh, these poor sods. I honestly like. They really, really, really want to lose in that final. It, yeah, we were just saying, like, people clearly showed up for Nadal, Nadal v. Djokovic, and it's like, mm -hmm. the, the opening, you know. Is this, a, is this a video of Djokovic playing marbles while the match is going on? Yeah. Uh, for I, those I wondering, this is so. just hanging out, huh? Yeah, if, if this makes it into the episode, we yeah. are currently watching the third longest match in Wimbledon history, cruising on its way to become the second longest match. At South least. Africa versus uh, USA, US, very yeah. appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Isner Anderson, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, this is never going to yeah. end. They're, they're now at the, uh, let's count that up. So 44th game of the the fifth set. I, I feel like I'm yep, having a little cry for these guys, actually. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have a little, yeah, for everyone there. For, uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My neck would be, like, really sore after watching yeah. that. Uh, Man. Um... All right, here's a good one. Uh, so, so uh, I'd imagine, and I could be wrong. What do I know? Uh, but I, I don't. Does South Africa have a very large aerospace industry? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you are spot on. <laughs> we do not. Um, I mean, that's one of the problems. So we we have, um, I guess, and like an arms company called Danel. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so they would, but they're not, I, I don't think they're exclusively aerospace, but they, they um, make, uh, you know, fighter jets, they make uh, various types of aircraft, helicopters as well. Um, and I think they also make like armored vehicles and a bunch of other things for, for the defense force. But 
yeah, we we don't have the you know the Airbuses, the Boeing's, the right. the space definitely not the space right. yeah. So yeah, that's that's well, what he he about. left. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah. to, to cheeky bugger. <laughs> <laughs> not enough funding here. I'll just go to the land of the free and see what I can find. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, we try to get him back currently. There's a petition going on, but it's not going too well. Oh, so no. uh, you know, so sorry. <laughs> a petition to repatriate. <laughs> exactly. Must <laughs> must get your ass back. We need you. dollars of space. Yeah. So that's one of my dilemmas. Is I would love to go back home, but unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be able to find much work if right. I do go home. So there, there was a, a company, or there still is uh, a company called Marcom, and they're actually trying to uh, make a South African-made uh, launch vehicle, space launch vehicle. Oh, really? Uh, called the I think it's called the Cheetah or something like that, so because we have Cheetah is, a, is an animal we have that sure. runs pretty damn fast. I guess that's yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, this is a it's a, I think it's a medium launch type of vehicle, okay. uh, but they have a huge problem is that the government you know I mean you essentially need government funding for these type yes, of programs. Yes, you do. I mean, look at SpaceX; they rely hugely on government funding. Yeah. Uh, and our government, understandably, is not willing to to um, provide them right. with, with funding. So we, we have way bigger issues right now than yeah. having our own launch capabilities. Yeah, no kidding. So unfortunately, he's been um, struggling for many years to try and get that off the ground. But you know, I'm kudos to him and his team that are still going at it. He actually got his... He, he studied undergrad here. What he, I think he went to Purdue undergrad for aerospace, okay. and then he did his master's at uh, Texas a and I think. So, oh, really? So he nice. studied here for a few years, and then he thought, well, I'm going to go home and, and try and do aerospace, which is great. Yeah. You know? So, But unfortunately, yeah, we don't have much momentum. Right. So, yeah. Well, I have to imagine um, South Africa being far enough away from the equator, there's, there's probably <laughs> not too many super suitable launch sites. Yeah. I mean... You need to, to relocate somewhere. Exactly. One of the one of the positives would be, though, the kind of the low cost of labor. Yeah. You know, labor and materials would probably be very low um, compared to Europe and America. So we would have that advantage. And I think with, with the development of Africa as a whole, we could probably get a lot of clients from our you know, northern neighbors and, and uh, get them down to, to our launch sites. We I mean, we have we do have uh, launch sites there that are just not used. You know, they were used uh, or they were kind of developed decades ago when we had, uh, I guess, more serious defense budgets. Not that defense is a good thing, but space itself is, is really a good thing. But we, we were looking into um, kind of long range missiles and things like that. So we had to launch services for that type of stuff. But they're, yeah, they're unused. So. Right. How did, so following that how, how did you sort of get interested in airspace because like oh man yeah like it, 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 it's 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 weird because like it's not like you you grew up in a country with a huge industry in it no so it's, yeah, yeah yeah exactly so um i would like to say obviously that you're like oh i was a kid and i love space and yeah that's yeah. not really the case i kind yeah, of sure. stumbled around for most of my life not knowing what i was interested in um, at one stage, I just wanted a private island and wanted to sit on my ass for the rest of my life, but <laughs> that hasn't worked out yet. Um, but I guess, yeah, so in in high school, my folks were like, even you know, even if you're lazy, just just stick with math and physics. You know, they didn't have many expectations for me. They're like, yeah, you know, just, just carry on. It was cool. Because I guess in Niza, there's not much competition. Maybe in cities, it's different or something, but everyone was super relaxed in my hometown. So it's like, oh, just do what you want. Just have fun with life. I was like, great. So uh, they they said just uh, you know just the minimum just stick with math and science oh, oh sorry math and physics so I did that um, and I continued with a, a math degree um, in university um, and while I was there I was like well it would be really cool I, I kind of got more interested in in math itself obviously I mean I had to uh, but I guess more the applied side I was very much uh, doing pure math and that drove me nuts for four years but um oh, so, yeah I think I'd lose it too yeah yeah I was going crazy so um I just I really wanted to I guess get into um 
into flying more. So I, I decided that I wanted to do, join the RAF. So I, I have dual British uh, South African citizenship. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> so Wait, so RAF Royal Air Force? Royal Air Force, yeah, exactly, <laughs> in the UK. So okay. my plan was, let's go and join the Royal Air Force once I graduate. So that's why I, I stuck to my guns and, and studied hard for my math degree because I thought, well, they, they want uh, someone that has done well in this type of subject. You know, they can see that you're not a, a dummy, I guess. And off I went with my uh, citizenship to that country. But because of the 2008 crash, this is many, many. Oh years yeah, there. yeah. Man, so yeah. What, what happened then was that um, they like the whole you know the world was taking shots in the UK as well. They they were uh, cutting down their defence force size. Mm. They had what is it called like Plan 2020. There was a special name. So they were trying to I guess reconciliate their forces and figure out a, a longer term strategy for the 2020. Um, so they they cut uh, they cut forces. They were cutting training programs and things like that. And when I went there, they also changed. One of the requirements was that you um, you needed to be a resident, even though you had citizenship. You now had to also be a resident there for four years, and the mm. age limit, as far as I remember, was like twenty three, no, twenty five, twenty five years old. So by the time I would have lived there for four years, I would have been shit out of luck, you know. Right. So I would have been too old to join at least the the pilot stream. Um, so right. I I I took the I guess the another route and I said okay well if I can't fly maybe I'll do something in aerospace or aeronautics and then I, I, I thought okay I'll go back to school um, so yeah so I went back and I thought well where are some good universities I didn't know much about America <laughs> at all I was like what is this place that starts with an S um, oh, they got and, palm trees yeah, yeah exactly it was nice yeah. nice climate so I decided to apply to a few universities here and thankfully got in so uh, I think it, kind of in the long run it was probably a way better choice because for pilots First of all, you have a contract with them because it's extremely expensive to train pilots. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so you're, in a, you're a huge investment mm -hmm. in the government training. Exactly. So, and you don't, you know, you can't just walk in there and say, hey, I want to fly jets. And they'll be like, oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just hop in one. We got yeah. one out back. Yeah. Exactly. You know, <laughs> so you'll take the top one, two of, in the class that, that go and fly the jets and the rest will fly the transports and things like that, which, you know, like that's not a bad thing, but obviously if you've set your guns on flying uh, fast jet that you want to do that and you'll feel extremely depressed if you jump into right. a Hercules or something like that. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I think it was a good choice to, to actually come and do engineering because in like a longer term as well, like if you're a pilot, I think the, you generally fly for like 10, 15 years max mm -hmm. and then you've got to figure out what, what else you want to do. You know, you could, I guess, have a desk job or maybe you could do some consultancy, but sure. as an engineer, I think you can have a far longer career and that's a lot yeah. more interesting. So I think it was a good choice to make, yeah. even though it was the, kind of the second choice, I'm totally happy yeah. with it. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think a lot of people would agree that, that <laughs> going to airspace, going to Stanford, probably, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a decent yeah. Yeah, that's a decent choice. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty pretty good. So um, yeah, I was happy about that. That's good. Uh, that's that's quite a roundabout so, way of yeah. Yeah, I know was, that was laborious. As no, well. no, no, it was that. really cool. I just didn't expect you to say I I tried to join the Royal Air Force. <laughs> I was not part of something that I. Uh, yeah, I definitely did not want to do aerospace uh, from the get go. Like that right. was not a thing I wanted to do. Um, it's kind of slowly grown me, I guess, when, yeah. when certain avenues closed down. And I just generally became more, more interested in it as I got older. So, right. yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, I was, you know, as a kid, I was interested in, like, playing with my Legos and stuff like that. Yeah, no, so that's, that was that's That was the extent yeah. of, of my interest, you know, yeah. that it, it expanded, thankfully. Yeah. Well, I think most most kids start with Star Wars and make their way. <laughs> Not there, me, so. though. No? <laughs> no, Jason would be 
pretty sad if I if I said that. <laughs> he, he, Jason's been he's been pretty good. He's been uh, trying to train me on the whole Star Wars thing. So oh, have yeah. you, do you have you not watched Star Wars? Oh, I, I mean I've. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Oh, crap! <laughs> I dug myself a bloody trench on this one. Shit! Remember, so, everything you're saying is on the record. <laughs> so I watched Star Wars. There's gonna be a lot of cringing. Here. Episode one, pod racing. That was that oh, was no. my shit. Like yeah. I. Man, that blew my mind. I loved it. So I was like, yeah, pod racing. And when I came here, I was like, guys, pod racing. Number one, right? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, just get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? We're not going to be your friend. So I had to change my tag real quickly on that one. Um, so I was like, yeah, I don't like episode one anymore. You know, that's... Do you, do you actually not like it? Or no, do you? I love it. I still love it. <laughs> Jason, you better not be listening to this. Are you a big Jar Jar fan? Uh, yeah, he was great. <laughs> uh, a little bit Yeah, but um, so I my, my exposure was episode one. And then... Um, I, I watched what episode two and three. They were pretty shitty. Um, I don't know if I should be swearing so much. Um, so yeah, I think I think this one's just going to get an explicit tag. Yeah, yeah. I think it's got an explicit tag as well. Yeah, okay. I was like in the first call. I was like, I can still censor it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, episode two and three were a lot worse. Um, yeah, episode one, of course, was my baby. Um, and then when I got here, that was that was just not a thing. Um, what do they call it? You have the Did pre- you not watch four through six? No. So you still have? I'm, I'm still no. I think I've watched all of them now because okay. Jason actually. Um, forced me to, to it, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, mate, listen, mate, you're gonna be watching all of these. So yeah, so he indoctrinated me into the way of um, Vader and et al. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I think I've watched all of them. So, but again, I'm, I'm foggy. So you have like the prequels, right? And then yeah. you have the. the if we do yeah. another Star Wars segment on this on this podcast, mm. I think that our listeners will kill us. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, just, okay. We, I see. We literally a did, we did a second, we did a second half before we went to see episode eight. Where no, we, before no, we went to see Solo. Solo, yeah. Solo not episode eight. I really Solo. enjoyed that. That was a great yeah. movie, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. And we just talked about what we expected and, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna we're gonna cut this. Let's, yeah. let's, let's dive in. Okay, yeah, because I barely know anything. I know yeah. they have like flashy swords, and that's about maybe it. Yeah. maybe that's the reason there haven't been any engineering podcasts because they all just turned into Star they just Wars turned podcasts. into Star Wars fan cast. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. No. That, okay. Moving on. Yeah. Moving yeah. On. <laughs> Quickly. Make haste. Um. So let's see. Twenty three all right now. What? Is it really? Yeah. Ezra's yeah. losing on serve though. He's down. Yeah, I mean, by the time you guys, I mean, hopefully by the time you guys have listened to this, this match is over. Yeah, <laughs> it has hopefully. Been over. Yeah. Yes, yes. It, it's, it's not just been a multi-day test match of tennis. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's never gonna end. Yeah. Oh man, who wants to watch Djokovic and Nadal anyway? Yeah, yeah. A bunch of old yeah, those old, guys aren't lamos away yeah. tennis. Yeah, who cares anyway? So. Um. So this is kind of just a random. This is probably a short one. Maybe Ooh. short. I don't know. I, th- yeah. I was thinking just short. In in so English big language in South Africa. Are there yeah. other big language in South Africa? We and have. Do you know? How <laughs> sh- like, do you speak them at all? I'm just curious. I, like, I'm embarrassed that I don't. So we I, have eleven official languages wow. in South Africa. Mm. Yeah, um, there are a lot, and I'm not going to name them off to you because I'm going to sure. butcher a lot of them in terms of like how to say them and things like that. So. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I only know English and um, some Afrikaans. And so coming from a small town, there wasn't, I guess, a great selection of languages. So in the cities, you could, you could I guess, the, the, the two uh, most common ones, besides from English and Afrikaans, are Zulu and Kosa with a little click that you get. So those okay. are, those are the, the, I guess, the four primary languages in mm-hmm. South Africa. And then you get a bunch of others, which I'm not too familiar with. Sure, um, yeah. So like a lot of my friends who... 
who grew up in, in cities, they, they could speak um, Zulu or Kota and that was great, you know, so I wouldn't know what the hell it was saying to me, but um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm not a very good language person. So, right. Gotcha. So that's I was just thing. curious about the mixing, because like in the US, we have what, no official language, right? Like English yeah. isn't even our official language. I mean, so. English is the default, but there's actually yes. been a movement to oppose English as the official language, because hmm. then that would mean that own like government materials can only be printed in english yeah. and, and whatnot ah, yeah so okay yeah unless you want to make like english and spanish and chinese and and yeah you know, and whatever else mandarin really or yeah because we have such a big movie. mix and, like it's it's weird yeah the, the like you know as soon as the idea of official languages becomes a thing here it, it just mm -hmm. becomes a big mess and yeah <laughs> so i was curious about how that works and that, so that's 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 interesting there's 11 you said yeah right? yeah, yeah that's there's, crazy there's 11 that's, so I guess, I mean, they call us the Rainbow Nation, so that's... Oh, do they? I didn't yeah, know that. That's like a moniker we have. Yeah, oh. so the Rainbow Nation, that's what we're called. Um, I feel like that's probably a group in SF as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so most, most likely, yeah. most likely. Actually, for, I mean, talking about SF and I, and I guess rainbows and stuff, just on a side tack, we have this thing called the Pink Lurie Festival in my town that happens every year and it's, it's like a, it's a gay festival a massive international gay festival wow. so all the gays listening out there come to the Pink Lurie Festival you know, <laughs> to support our local economy <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty amazing I've, I've, I like I, I never know when it is but sometimes you'll be driving around and you'll you'll see people lots of pink lots of pink lots of feathery outfits I'm like yeah. what the hell is going on here it's crazy <laughs> um, but it's yeah it's pretty amazing so people from all over the world come every year to our little town and that's really cool there, so. that's I, yeah that's yeah. that's so weird that it's just this giant house in this small little yeah. town yeah that's yeah, crazy yeah. um so let's see um oh this is kind of just a quick one <clears throat> the answer might be not that many but i'm curious <laughs> if you've noticed any like big sort of differences like either culturally or otherwise sort of when you came to america was there any sort of weird adjustment you had or like besides you know san fran yeah um, <laughs> san fran sf and pod racing still yeah. sticking with that pod racing so uh I guess, yeah, so just fitting in generally was, was fine. I mean, uh, where, where I come from, I guess, and, and a lot of South Africa is, is pretty well developed, pretty first world. We, we obviously have a lot of rural areas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fine coming in. Um, it, it felt uh, pretty normal to come here. But That's good. I guess I did notice one of the big things was the, the diversity here. I don't know mm. if it's different in the, the rest of the states, but in California in particular, I've noticed a huge diversity and you know in in terms of um kind of ethnic groups and also just the food you go to you yes know, you're like oh look, what are we going to eat you can eat from any pretty much like place in the world which which <laughs> blew my mind when i first came here you know so we we don't have that back home like, oh really is, well at least in my town again yeah, like yeah. we're, yeah, we're yeah. small maybe in the city <laughs> too i should always like yeah have that caveat my town. yeah i mean because this rinky dink little town doesn't doesn't have much diversity in terms of food right. and things like that so uh, yeah, that was that was actually really cool to see coming here and and people kind of showing me about you know like the Korean barbecue. Oh yeah, that is amazing. You, you can have you can have French breakfast, Korean barbecue, lunch, and then fake Chinese food for dinner. Yeah, and then you like, die hot failure at the end of it. It's yeah, amazing. it's great. So, yeah. <laughs> you understand America. <laughs> Look at how much you've learned. <laughs> Do I get a certificate? I don't know. But yeah, so it's, it's really, <laughs> hopefully not one of those. So. But uh, yeah, so that, that, that's been really cool. And and just, I guess, the way that that you, you, you can have so much diversity in this in this region is, yeah. is amazing. So. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a lot here, too. I mean, I know where I grew up, there's a, there's a good amount of diversity. Um, 
but like also Stanford's almost just this weird island of, of yeah. people from all over, which is which is mm-hmm. I mean you're you're I think the first South African person I've ever met. Oh wow! So okay. like you know, I hope it's, it's been going well. So yeah, yeah, you're fine. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like it's it's this is also weird. California in general, I think, is also pretty good about that. I think it's, it's yeah. Oh my gosh, you know, yeah, people, yeah. A lot of people people want to come here. Like it's it's mm. a good place to live and. You know, lots of jobs and stuff. So, but yeah, yeah I that's uh, that makes sense that there isn't. I, I I didn't think there'd be any huge difference. I was just kind of curious. Mm, mm. Um, let's see. Um, if you don't want to answer this, that's fine. I kind of wanted to talk to you about it. So you grew up. Um, I wanted to preface it with that mm, because mm. it's it's <laughs> a little more. It's a little Juicy. more serious. It's a little mm. more. Um, <laughs> uh, you grew up. In South Africa, right around the end of apartheid. Yes, exactly. So, do you apart- remember anything about the changes that sort of went around? I was far too young. So, figured, I, yeah. I, so it ended in in ninety four officially. I was born okay. in eighty nine. Yes, I'm an old bastard. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, ninety four was when it was when it ended. But mm. again, man, I always had to like prefaces with like small town so yeah. maybe because i was in a in a small town um it, it didn't really like i did not notice much at all so right. it's like nothing really changed for me right. but as uh, the country as a whole massive massive right. changes so yeah um did you get taught a lot about it when you were in school growing up yeah yeah, yeah. so in history class and stuff like that that was uh, one of the the primary topics makes sense unfortunately i've since forgotten much of the finer details that's of fair it, but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was amazing that it took so long to actually change, you know, so yeah. that was kind of insane. But thankfully it has. And yeah. we had Mandela, which obviously everyone knows Mandela well, yeah. afterwards. He was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was just amazing. So yeah. the, the fact that he could have or produce such a smooth transition, which was pretty, pretty kind of a profound thing that, that he was able to do. And then we had Mbeki after that. Uh, and how much, I don't know if he, I think Mandela was one term Mbeki. Might have been too. I'm, I'm, I just don't try and follow politics because it's, That's fair. <laughs> it's really convoluted and it's it's just kind of... It's all of, very... Con- yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we had um, Zuma after that for two terms. So, uh, yeah, we've had some turbulent politics with, with Zuma coming into power and he thankfully he's out and now we've got Ramaphosa, Cyril Ramaphosa. So he's actually a businessman and he's come in and things are looking... Uh, a lot better now that's which good is, which is good so i heard i knew this said there was a change recently i just wasn't, yeah. didn't know what the change was yeah exactly so um the anc african national congress that's the the uh, i guess the the leading party um they i guess they weren't happy with zuma so uh, i mean he had quite a lot of corruption a, cases didn't sound him. great yeah yeah so he had he had a lot of i guess um criminal records against him and i guess the, while he was president they weren't actually allowed to charge him so, so people, yeah, they got pretty disenchanted after quite a few years of, of the same rule and, um, and I guess the corruption, I said, no, well, we can't deal with this anymore. So yeah. the, the party itself actually, um, outed him and, and they brought in uh, Ramaphosa, uh, to take over. So the, I guess the elections, I think they're coming up in like a, like a year or two. Okay. Um, so this, there wasn't even like an, a nationwide election. This was mm-hmm. a kind of a party election. Right. So I'm not too sure how that works in, in terms of kind of getting a new president yeah. and once you've. I guess impeached another one or something like that, but yeah. um, yeah. So Ramaphosa's in at the moment, and and um, he's yeah. So I think he has some business savvy, which is good. How frequent are the elections? Every four years. Four years? Yeah. I'm sure if it's four or five. That's mm. usually the. What is it in the states? Actually, is it four? It's four. Okay. Yeah, four. but yeah. I know some places it's five. I think what was it? It was five. 
Uh, well, I mean, I guess it varies a lot everywhere. I was thinking of New Jersey, like governor elections every five years. Yeah. Oh, but, like, right. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's like, like your own little countries every yeah. state here. So. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, uh, it's like, you know, UN, but it works. <laughs> um, Does it? Mm, it works pretty okay. Yeah. You like smoke marijuana, marijuana on one side, and you kind of oh, let's light it up on the other side. You're going to jail, you bastards! So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. A few problems. It's a balance. Yeah. Just, just a few. Yeah. Just a few. People point out that now, like if you're up in the Pacific Northwest, it's legal to smoke marijuana in Washington. It is legal to smoke marijuana in British Columbia, <laughs> but it is illegal to cross the border between these two places and admit to having smoked marijuana uh, <laughs> because yeah. that's the national border, and so it's federally <laughs> illegal in the U.S. And just. Yeah. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's interesting here. I, I was curious because I wasn't sure if you remembered anything growing up, or, but it sounds like, yeah, I, I wasn't mm. sure because I knew you were super young. That was yeah. kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, he probably doesn't remember anything. I figured <laughs> ask anyway. Yeah. I mean, like the scars are definitely still there. I mean, right. It, it, like it has not healed and it right. won't heal for generations. That's, right. that's for damn sure. Right. So, yeah. 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 No, I, I've seen pictures of the, like, I think it was uh, Joe Berg. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Well, you can and, call it Josie if you want to be a real local. Just okay. feel like Josie. 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 Yeah, there you go. Is it weird if we call it Jayberg? Does that, does that sound yeah. weird? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not going to work. That's, uh, we have Jay Bay, though. That's Jeffrey's oh, Bay. Oh, okay. I don't know if, you're a, if, if, if there are any surfers listening, you'll, they'll probably know about Jay Bay. They have a big international competition there every year. It supposedly has very good waves. Um, so, oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's quite well known in the surfing scene. Uh, but that's that's the far as the yeah. Jays go. Into gotcha. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for listening to South African Tourism Bureau. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're kind of still in our economy here, guys. Come on. Um, the uh, well, I was gonna say in Joburg, I've seen pictures of the of the rebuilding of the houses. Uh, of of uh, uh, I had a friend who went a few years ago. Mm. And he, was, he was saying like basically the slums being torn down, they're being replaced by completely new apartments, and those people were in the slums being put in those apartments. Oh yes, RDP housing is called. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it was called. Exactly, but I figured I you would know what that, that stands for. But like, but... it's so it's dramatic. Yes, mm. it is. It is brand new buildings mm. next to shanty towns. Yeah. Like it's it's the scale is insane. Although maybe insane. I I may be missing because it sounds as though you're talking about. Multi-level buildings, or are you talking uh, about single th- story? I think the ones I saw were multi-level, but it's been okay. a, it's been a few years. Because the ones that uh, sorry, the ones that I'm talking about are, yeah. are single-level housing. Right. So each person has their own little little house, right. whoop, and they plunk it down. Gotcha. But they're pretty bare bones, pretty basic. But yeah. hey, you know, if you've got a you know a solid set of walls, good roof, that's yeah. a, a lot of times that's yeah. that's that's good enough. So you know, there's a huge amount of poverty. So if you can have something like that, that's that's great. Yeah, um, that's been going on for quite a few years. Um, the RDP housing projects. I've heard there's a lot of corruption in it. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, as with many governments around the world, <laughs> yeah, if you can somehow get away with it, you know, politicians will, will definitely try. So yeah. if there's not good oversight, so we, we, I mean, I, this is one of the reasons we, we have this, um, like a, a, I guess a good uh, what well, we had. I don't know how the new one is. Public protector, they call him. We'll call her. Sorry, I should say. Oh, I forgot her name. Actually, no. She was amazing. Anyway, she was the one that brought Zuma in to, and and try to kind of uh, essentially get get the charges put on him and and uh, get some momentum for getting him out of, of government. Right. Um, and uh, so we, we, I guess we have uh, kind of a fairly good uh, public protector, but there's still a lot of holes in in yeah. our government where corruption can can occur. Yeah. yeah. So you'll see people with nice new cars, and you're like, oh, wow, how did you get that car? That's yeah. cool, man. I like that. Uh, and I remember driving through 
we I was just with some friends and we were going uh, to the coast uh, to kind of the east coast northeast coast and to get there we had to drive through so we we all landed in Joburg or Johan Josie there we go and we, and we, <laughs> we headed east uh, towards the coast and we went through some small little towns and I remember even seeing like government buildings I thought it was a damn palace in one of these towns like there was poverty all around you know and it seemed like a pretty uh, bare bones town but the kind of the central government building, I guess the municipal building, whatever they would like to call it, they probably call it a palace, yeah. was astounding. You know, and I'm like, why is there a need for a building like this in such a small Crazy. little you know, town? So these weird things happen all over. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not a good look. <laughs> no, that's, no. Oh, yeah, well, it's like it's like Kim Jong Un being like overweight and the dictator <laughs> of an impoverished starving country yeah. Yeah. yeah i enjoy my food but yeah. screw the rest of the guys yeah, yeah. exactly um that's yeah that's that's interesting mm-hmm. um i had like maybe one or two more questions before we go to the second half sure um the first one was you you we in the u.s we grow up in a almost um sort of isolated uh uh sort of way just because the u.s is so big that mm-hmm. a lot of us don't you know, it's not it's not uncommon for us not to leave the country for an extended period of time and still uh, be able to travel. Yeah. Did you yeah. do any travel around other parts of Africa? Or I, I know one of the things when I was looking up and, and sort of preparing this review, I noticed I think it was Lesotho <laughs> is like in yeah. the middle of South Africa. Yeah, we we pronounce it Lesotho. Yeah. Oh, Lesotho. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of people call it Lesotho. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. So Lesotho is exactly it's landlocked by. By South Africa. Don't Just ask me crazy. how that occurred. Yeah, that's. But they're their own country. They have autonomy, <laughs> and um, it's it's pretty much surrounded by by these mountains called the Drakensberg, the the Dragon Mountains, and they're. Oh, that like, sounds really cool. Dragon Mountains, <laughs> exactly. Fusroda. Yeah. So um, we have the Drakensberg, which uh, in, I guess encapsulates, mm-hmm. uh, envelops us, um, Lesotho, and yeah, to to get over there. Well, I mean, the whole of Lesotho is actually pretty damn mountainous. Right. I actually went hiking. Uh, in the Drakensberg quite a few years ago now and we kind of crossed like crossed the border as we, we went <laughs> up one of the, the mountain passes and crossed over for like a day or a night or something nice. and it was terrible weather so we headed back <laughs> down again so um, yeah and we, we also have Swaziland as well but I think that actually I don't know if that's fully um, surrounded by South Africa right. that, that may also have Mozambique which is um, kind of you know it's half and half mm-hmm. uh, but those are yeah the two kind of weird countries that, yeah. that are yeah. in, inside of South Africa yeah so. have you so have you traveled a bit around Africa or just mostly like in South Africa and Lesotho yeah in, in uh, I mean barely Lesotho as I said like one or two yeah. days yeah. <laughs> hiked out again yeah. so um, yeah in, in South Africa I've, I've done a bit of traveling not a yeah. huge amount so I've kind of we, we have like the the coastal region, which is nice and green, and then you mm-hmm. the, you kind of go like a, an hour or two inland, and it becomes very barren and dry. Right. Uh, we have um, what's called the Karoo. You have the Klein Karoo. Klein means small, so we have the small Karoo, and then the Groot, which is the, the Great Karoo. Uh, those are the two kind of very arid, very dry regions. Cool. And it's kind of a very strange landscape. Maybe, I don't know what Arizona is like. People always say it's hot there, but um, it's, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a lot of um, kind of gravel, just like a lot of gravel, you know, huh. dirt, mm-hmm. dry areas with like scrubby type of vegetation. Yeah. But but the this kind of the stark difference from the coast is, is pretty cool. You have these really like this red, red um, earth that you mm-hmm. see when you go into the crew. So I've done some of that traveling, mainly actually, unfortunately, uh, Europe, really. So kind of Yeah, like, you said you went to London. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. I guess as a kid, like right. um, yeah, like France, England, and um, this little town—or sorry, not a little town—it's kind of like a town called Andorra, 
which is like in the Pyrenees Mountains. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny country. So yeah, I've heard. Those like the, yeah. the main places oh, in Australia. So I have French and Australian cousins, oh, nice. that's why. So oh, I guess we nice. would go and visit them. Um, actually, they were both French, and then one of the French moved over to Oz. So we have to visit both of them now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's the extent of my travels. It's mainly like Europe. Uh, gotcha. I, I would love to do more in, in kind of the rest of Africa, but yeah. Africa is kind of tough sometimes. You can't just get easy flights right. to, to certain cities, you know, right. and, and if you if you can find flights, they're extremely expensive. So, right. yeah. So, yeah. But that would be, I guess, on my bucket list is, is take an extended period of time off off work and then just go traveling for like a year or something like that. Yeah. That'd be ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have one more before we do the second half, if that's cool. Mm. Um, and this one was sort of a little also sort of leading into current events. You, you mentioned... Uh, you mentioned that a lot, like a lot of the South Africa in the center was was more arid and and, and mm. dry. Has that? I, I maybe you didn't see it before you left, but I know with the recent Cape Town thing and all this, <laughs> these water crises, did you notice anything like that starting to happen before you left? Or no, no. no? So okay. so the thing is, Cape Town is being on the coast as well. It actually it's it's in a it's not really in too much of an arid uh, region, right? And they do have uh, a very large reservoir that supplies them with water. So. Um, that I think was probably just mismanagement. I it sounded a lot like mismanagement. Yeah, yeah, but I hear that the Cape Town region has had a lot of rainfall uh, recently, so they're good for the next few years now, which is That's which good. is great. You that know, is great. So yeah. Fingers crossed that they do something about <laughs> fixing they it. I, I yeah. think nobody wants. So for those for listeners who aren't familiar, uh, and maybe you can explain this better than I can, or correct me when I'm wrong. But oh, I, I, don't I know mean, maybe much. you don't know as well as I do. You also <laughs> you there. Mean, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't followed too much. I just yeah. you know, it's kind of uh, like. Uh, things from friends they'll say like how's it going yeah. and we're like okay oh, town has no water like, yeah oh, great that's yeah. that's the extent kind of so yeah yeah it's my understanding that there was a day where people had to line up to get like oh, there were multiple a, days multiple <laughs> days yeah a yeah. lot of time in in cape town which is i mean pretty i mean what it's the richest city in 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 africa right like it's it's huh. I'd, that's what I've heard. It would probably be between be between Cape Town and Johannesburg. So yeah. Johannesburg is more business oriented. So right. maybe Johannesburg would be, but it would probably right. be a pretty close yeah. between those two. Yeah, where they just ran out of water and <laughs> they had to line up to get like a buck, like a their daily bucket of water. It took hours, yeah. and it was just like, yeah. like imagine it, if that happened in New York City. Yeah, like, it seems like the kind of thing that like just doesn't happen. Like, uh-huh. just, but that's the thing. There's there's nothing more to describe it than just the city ran out of water. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Whoops, guys. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was pretty bad. I have a, a few friends in Cape Town, so they were giving me little updates here and there. But yeah, just lots of frowny faces. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That was yeah. the sense of it. So it, it kind of reminds me of undergrad, where you know, for a few days at a time, we're like, oh, there's no water coming out the taps. Great. Um, so, it's, <laughs> but that was a very small town. So I can totally understand how that would happen, and your friends yeah. smell a bit different after day two or three. Like, hey man, like let's just talk to each other a little bit further away. Um, but yeah, Cape Town running out of water, that's that's a big deal. So yeah. they really need to rectify that problem so yeah. that in the future it does not... Hopefully they don't, happen. that doesn't happen again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Well, I think we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back soon and we'll be back with you with some current events. Hey everyone, Alex Hobbs here with your mid-episode smooth talking words at you. Yep, real good at that. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Farmhouse. Um, and thank you so much to Alex Fresnel for, for coming on this this episode. Uh, I think it was a really solid episode. I mean, I, I think they're all solid. I'm slightly biased, obviously, but uh, I think it turned out really well. It was cool hearing about his story. 
And the second half coming up is going to be great as well. Um, thank you also to Andy G. Cohen for his music on the Free Music Archives. Uh, at the beginning and end of this episode, you will hear edited versions of Just a Blip off the album Through the Lens. And uh, around this middle part, you'll hear Scramby Eggs off the album Layers. Uh, if you are interested in hearing more from him, you can find links in the episode description as well as on our website. Uh, so thank you again to him. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, if you have not already, you can find more information on us. Well, not a lot. It's it's not too much. But you can find uh, our Twitter page, our Facebook page, and our website. Uh, the website is thefarmcast.com. The Twitter and Facebook pages you can find by typing in at the farmcast on either of those websites um and there was one last thing that i wanted to include here um jordan asked me to clarify you see the second part of this podcast we discuss the thai uh divers who who rescued the soccer team um that that, that was a little over two weeks now ago um and some, you know, it was recent at the time. Uh, but since the recording of this podcast, there have been some developments. For example, uh, Elon Musk, the day after we recorded, called one of the British expatriates a, uh, I believe the quote was, a pedo guy? So, yeah, we recorded this before that. So if, if at any point there are defenses... You know, if, if anyone here seems to defend Elon um, and it seems to in any way lean towards, you know, uh, uh, being in defense of his attitudes and uh, uh, towards this whole operation, that is mostly because he hadn't called any of the rescuers a pedo guy when we recorded this. Um, so, we, you know, he just wanted me to include this disclaimer and, um, yeah, we don't condone calling people who rescue other people in danger uh pedos um anyway uh that's really all i got for you i I do think that that despite that disclaimer uh the second half of this podcast is very solid um i think you guys will enjoy it and and i hope you keep listening and if you you know if you guys enjoy today's episode or or you know think think of someone else who might enjoy it as well um you know let let them know Give, give them a shout out send them a text tell them person, you know, all that stuff. We certainly appreciate, um, any, any, any spreading of this podcast. We, we don't really advertise too much or we don't, we don't advertise at all <laughs> really ourselves. Um, so, so anyone who, who starts listening to this podcast is because of, of you, a current listener. So, um, thank you so much for listening and I'll let you get back to it. Take care. And we'll, uh, uh, oh, that was the other thing. I'm glad I remembered to say this. We, again, unfortunately might go on a bit of a hiatus. I am moving. Um, so I don't, there's a lot of things going along with that, and that might result in more of a, another long-term-ish break, um, like a month. Um, we will try to record again, and we might be able to get something out in two weeks, but I can't make any guarantees. Um, so I just wanted to, to warn uh, you guys that, that you know, it might be a little while. If, if in two weeks an episode isn't coming out, I'll... I'll post on the Facebook, post on the Twitter, and let, let people know. But just wanted to keep informed that, that things are a little busy right now, and, and you know, we're doing our best, but, uh, you know, might be a little break. So anyway, thanks again for listening. Sorry this is a little long. Um, I'll let you guys get back to the episode, and, and uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
Thai Navy SEAL. Ooh, um, I was so confused about that. They kept saying Navy SEALs, and I was like, well, wait. Yeah, they like, kept but, just saying Thai Navy SEAL, and yeah. I'm like, is he a U.S. Navy SEAL who, like, is Thai? or yeah, is he, uh, like, yeah. I was very confused as well. Yeah. It seemed that there were a lot of U.S. But, like, like I understand, like, yeah. I understand, yeah. But just, that was just very confusingly recorded yeah, for yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, so I'm recording. You can start whenever. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Welcome back to the Farmhouse Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about uh, what has been mostly a human interest story, but if you know you were paying attention to this kind of thing, also uh, presented a couple interesting engineering challenges, um, and we'll talk about different solutions. But that was the the recent rescue of a team of Thai soccer players who were trapped in a cave. Uh, they were out hiking. Um, this is normally this time of year as well before the monsoon season in Thailand and, and floodwaters are not a concern. And so they went, you know, sort of spelunking and exploring this cave system and, and suddenly floodwaters uh, rose to the entrance of the cave much, much sooner and much more dramatically than they normally would. And they found themselves trapped. And so obviously, you know, no food, you know, possibly limited airflow and, and air supplies. There were, Thankfully, um, located pretty pretty soon, um, were were you know discovered to have been missing and, and found to be in this cave system, but getting them out is not the easiest thing in the world. And there were a number of solutions proposed, a number of, of engineering approaches that were involved, and we'll talk about both the one that was eventually successfully uh, employed and some uh, more more off the wall um, proposals that came and and some of the drama surrounding them. Um, so first the, the, the kind of challenge is you, you've got, um, you know, people trapped underground, basically under a mountain and, and worse than that, they are lower down than the entrance to the, the cave. And so there's this, where they were that, you know, they had air, they were, they were not themselves, you know, wading through water and the entrance of the cave was, you know, above ground and above the water. But in between there, there were these multiple miles of just flooded tunnels that you know, young children were never going to be able to um, swim or navigate on their own, and so you had to come up with with some way to to get through. And so I don't know, like I think the the longest distance I've ever swum is is maybe half a mile. <laughs> like I, I don't know if you guys have done like some uh, some yeah. marathons or or Look, longer, I mean, or I just have, triathlons or I have like I guess a diver's license, and yeah. I like to like. Where I grew up, like there's a shipwreck there, so we would go snorkeling and free diving around the shipwreck. But no, I haven't done any long distance marathon swimming. I haven't done any like intense free diving, nothing like that. So yeah. Imagine yeah. being a kid too and having to do it. Oh, like there, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like no PlayStation for like five days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, so one of the, I guess one of the the first things that kind of caught my eye about this is that, of course, the the. They had to pump the water out, which is mm-hmm. is in some ways the classical engineering problem. It is it is. <laughs> What's the pressure hit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is the problem that spurred the industrial revolution. I mean, thankfully, it wasn't you know having to rescue people, but but back in in England, pumping water out of mines was the thing that that prompted Thomas Newcomen to invent the steam engine, and then from there you get eventually James Watt makes the steam engine actually work reasonably well, and and. You know, we're off to the races, but this was, you know, really difficult because this is a massive amount of water to move. And and one, one of the things I think studying sort of fluid dynamics that, that we come to appreciate is just how much 
mass and energy is involved yeah. in, in fluid flow. Um, if you've got the, the time and you want to appreciate the, the effects of, of fluid pressure, um, fill up a you know a small maybe maybe medium sized cup some something that you could sort of fit an index card over, fill that up with water, um, then slide the index card over it, and then um, so that there's a, there's a seal between the the lid of that cup and you know so there are, there's all the water inside and then turn it upside down, and you will find that the air pressure like at sea level is sufficient to to keep that water in there right like like just just the air pressure. <laughs> Um, is is enough to to hold back you know the the weight of the water in there. So when you get down submerged and and are dealing with these massive amount of water, you you've got to, you need a lot of energy. And a cave system in the middle of the woods is not exactly you know easily accessible <laughs> to to the power means to power yeah. to power mm-hmm. some pumps. Um, and they so, they actually had problems at the end. Yeah, well, yeah. So failed, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Thankfully, not not before everyone was rescued but within hours there was after someone the rescue, still in the cave though one of the rescuers was still in the cave. oh one of the rescuers and they was. and he just hears a, he's just, like eating it like i was reading i was reading i was reading this other day he was like eating like lunch or dinner he's eating yeah. like pizza or something and then he just gets like a the pump is down get higher <laughs> and so he had to like basically jump to the top of a rock and barely didn't get swept away by all the water coming oh down oh my god yeah but all the kids were already out it he, was into, yeah. he was fine but yeah oh my god yeah, yeah so, so that's, that's, i mean he obviously had his diving gear with him eh? so he would have to i don't quickly like remember. throw that on and get i don't think he, but i don't think i think he didn't have it on i think he just had to get to the highest part of the cave he was in yeah. and try and avoid the rising waters go flying past him and that was oh, what yeah, he like terrifying. it was yeah, because of course the other jet is like these aren't just just static waters, right? They weren't just a, a you know nice simple pool that you just go down with buckets, like yeah. because <laughs> of, of the shape of the um, the cave and the changing conditions. Like these were these were flowing, moving water, like turbulent water. Yeah. So mm. yeah, the chances of, of the kids just being able to swim their way out, aside from just the length of it, was was just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so 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 the actual approach that they ended up using was um they sent you know teams of divers the uh, thai navy seals came in um with stretchers and they they strapped the kids down um had oxygen tanks to provide the kids with oxygen they were um, medicated just to sort of keep them calm because it, it was a long dark claustrophobic swim um well they were they were put in a in a a I don't want to say kangaroo pouch, but they were put in a stretcher and basically strapped down and not allowed, like, yeah, yeah. like that was the people were moving them out. So they gave them anxiety pills because they were just like, yeah, I mean, yeah. that in itself is a terrifying thing to think yeah. about. You know, you're in a cave system, you, you cannot breathe, you hope that your equipment does not fail yeah. you know, while you're going. Yeah. So that's, that's like one of the scariest things about cave diving and why it's so dangerous is because if you need to escape to the surface, there is no surface to escape to, yeah. you know, so you have to have multiple backup plans. So yeah. For those I mean, kids. tragically, one of the Navy SEALs did lose his life. Yeah. I mean, and so mm-hmm. this was not, I mean, even, even for highly qualified people, this was not an easy dive and, and swim and rescue to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that was thankfully, um, the approach that, that, um, was, was successful, you know, did a relatively simple solution, um, you know, able to get the, the materials and, and equipment that they needed. Um, but I think kind of for our purposes and kind of some of the speculation and drama around this, there were a bunch of other um, possible solutions uh, involved and, and um, particularly rising to, to prominence through this is, you know, the one and only Elon Musk. Of course. Um, 
if 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 all that you paid attention to was that you know there was this rescue situation and and um, you know thankfully the the kids were rescued, maybe you you missed this sort of drama that played out on Twitter where uh, somebody tweeted at Elon Musk just I guess because he's Elon Musk just asking, hey, is there anything you you can do? Oh, is um, that how it actually started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even, <laughs> not even an official wow. outreach from the, the rescue operation. Just somebody on Twitter thought maybe Elon Musk could help. Um, yeah. And he then proceeded to tweet out a couple of his proposed solutions or proposed ideas. I mean, he, he is, you know, made it clear himself that he he was only ever just, just trying to offer backups or alternatives solutions he, he never was under the impression that you know his was the primary uh, method here um, a lot of people have accused him of, of making you know inserting himself and prominently where he didn't need to be um, but I think I, I think it's, it's kind of a a valid rebuttal to that to say look you know this like I didn't need to help he um, you know just offered to, to divert resources attention and money to to just trying to do something to, to help with this situation. But I guess I wanted to, to just hear how, how you guys sort of felt about, um, you know, his involvement here and, and whether it was appropriate, whether it was, you know, timely, helpful, or um, even if it just in terms of drawing attention to the issue. Well, like, I guess, yeah, so I, I didn't actually know the origin of, of his in, involvement in, the, uh, in this problem. But yeah, if you're a prominent figure in the public eye all the time, you definitely have the resources. And someone asks you on Twitter, you can't. You know, this is a very relevant topic. Um, you know, there was there was these poor damn kids there, and you're like, okay, well now someone's asking me to uh, to somehow help in any way, and you can't just ignore that. So I felt that. But how many tweets do you think he ignores every day? A thousand. Yeah, but that was mm. quite a touchy. Tweet yeah, but how did to, he even see that one? How did he like like? I, mean, I don't. Like, like, media managers are like, "Hey, uh, Musk, uh, check this out on your Twitter." Because he probably gets a ton of messages during. Yeah, that's what I'm stuff. saying. Like, how does he? I don't. It just seems so because he surely gets hundreds and thousands of tweets yeah. that he ignores every day. Why would he? He specifically paid attention to this one, which which sure you know he yeah, always okay. it wasn't like an official outreach or something that's what yeah. I mean. it was just somebody on twitter yeah. Like, they, yeah the media probably would have chastised him if he hadn't have done anything about it at the same time so i don't necessarily i guess agree mm. uh, that he he should have gone as far as he did but i mean it was great yeah that that he did divert resources and get a team out there to help him well he didn't he didn't did he yeah so so yeah. he did actually so well so that's the thing is, is he went through um and i guess one of the one of the things i think that people are pointing to that that kind of fuel people's cynicism about this is that he managed to suggest you know possible help or solutions from just about every company that he owns and is involved with um the first thing he suggested was that the the boring company his his tunnel digging company i think with the intention of supporting hyperloop development um has you know ground penetrating radar that that you know could have been useful in a non-invasive way to to try and map the cave system and see if there was a way to drill down and, and extract the kids that way without having to make the swim. But of course, you know, it, it wasn't a super geologically stable zone. Um, and, you know, there's a risk of, of cave collapse. So that that ended up going nowhere. And then he drove a Tesla down into the well, cave. Okay. And then he, he shot a rocket down <laughs> into the cave. Well, that's second thing. Well, yeah, well, I mean, so the second thing is, is like, I mean, like powering those pumps off the grid is not the easiest thing in the world. So he offered to ship like fully charged Tesla, like power wall batteries 
um, capable of, of powering just the pumps. Wouldn't be able to make it in time. Like yeah, I mean, there, there's obviously you know, the the timing issue. Um, yeah. Are they all manufactured in the U.S. The power walls, or does he have? Yeah, I believe the the, oh, the power walls. Oh, yeah, yeah, are, are oh. manufactured in the U.S. Okay. Um, but then the the solution that I think ended up capturing most people's attention, there was a, a first look at using like um, a subcontractor to SpaceX that develops um, sort of flotation devices to help with the recovery of, of elements of the rocket um, came up with an inflatable um, sort of equivalent to the stretcher that was actually used with, with sort of an airlock system that would have um, provided, you know, a way to, to ferry the kids out. But the one that, that really, you know, spent the most time in and I think did eventually ev- arrive on site at the, the rescue. It arrived on site? Yeah, mm-hmm. I believe it did. Um, was this miniature submarine constructed out of an oxygen um or, transfer. Yeah, an oxygen tube for for the Falcon Nine. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh, for those of you who can't see me right now, I just made a face. It was yeah. con- very confusing. It, it was it was a face. Yeah. Um, but I so so I guess the one thing to, to clarify is is one you know, in rocketry like oxygen is not air, right? It's we don't think of of gas because oxygen is usually transported in liquid form. So this was not like you know, an air tube or an air hose. It, w- it was a solid, you know, um, duct, a solid funnel made out of alu- thin-walled aluminum um, that, yeah, I assume they just had lying around the SpaceX factory and could was about the right diameter um, in order to, to fit a small human or, or um, in it. And, and they did do a lot of engineering in a very short amount of time in order to um, converted into a, an open, enclosable, sealed environment, adding some insulation um, because, you know, the, these kids weren't going to be fitted with, like, dry suits or anything in order to keep them. Um, so this was just jury This They just made, they just made this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was... Yeah. That's, I, I thought this was just a theory. I thought it was no, a, yeah, they, and they actually they did test it in a in a pool down in Los Angeles, um, you know, just to make sure it was airtight that it would that it would stand up to, you know, what pressures it needed to, um, and it, and essentially it was just you can see it as sort of a more robust um, alternative to to that stretcher that they had ended mm-hmm. up actually using. Sure, um, that you know would have been um, rather than having the kids breathing through. A tube um, would have been just pressurizing and, and supplying them with, with regular o- a regular oxygen environment. So then maybe you don't have to worry about you know constant flow. Like you know the kid would essentially have a few minutes. Like if if the actual oxygen tank burst or, or there mm. was some issue with the line, like you could swap out the tank and the kid would have you know a few minutes of breathable air in between that instead of just needing to hold their breath if there was some kind of yeah, an that's issue. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that I mean that's. That's the kind of thing that you need to think about when when you're designing a thing like this, and they, they managed to do it in, in a pretty damn short amount of time. Yeah. Um. And and I mean, if if there's one thing about about <coughs> Elon Musk's approach to engineering, it doesn't necessarily uh comport well with deadlines usually. Uh, yes. Um. But I mean, I mean, hats off to them that that they got this thing done, and and there is talk about. Um, using it maybe on oil rigs or, mm-hmm. or just in um, any kind of environment where you know some kind of vulnerable yeah. or, or somebody not able mm-hmm. to 
you know, move themselves. Was this thing be... small enough they could fit down the cave? Well, it seemed or... quite yeah. long, so that could yeah. have posed problems, I guess, if they have to maneuver yeah, around. Yeah, caves aren't exactly cave. great about large spaces. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think ultimately the... Um, That's probably what they determined, right? Yeah, the, the rescue sure effort just said, just in the end, like, it just wasn't going to be suitable as an alternative yeah. to yeah, the, it's just too the big. structure. Yeah, it's just too big. Yeah, but I mean, I think, I think it, it is... Um, that's so weird. Yeah. I had no idea. Actually, that's it's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know he sent that. Mm. But no. I mean, that's I mean, that's because the the thing that kind of um, I think is kind of the paradox of of space engineering in general is that you know we tend to think of it as very cutting edge and very you know leading the way in technology development. But because we need it to be so robust, very often the the elements and things used in, in space tend to be you know years or even decades behind like you know what's the cutting edge of consumer electronics mm-hmm. or something like that yeah. and so to, to yeah like designing and deploying something in, in a day or two is is really not something that you normally see in, in no, aerospace. no it's not especially in like non i was gonna say like i mean it it has a little echoes of of uh which Apollo mission was it? Were they uh, thirteen? Thirteen, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Were they jury? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a filter. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think failed. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, they had like what a couple of days to make this thing, and then they were just like, all right, now we have to get it to them. And, but like, I mean, they both were under timelines, and people's lives were at stake. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, it was yeah. like. Yeah. But, I guess uh, Apollo 13 a bit different because they had to use the resources right yeah, yes. yeah, now. Yes. Uh, which is insane that they actually managed to, mm-hmm. to pull that off. So. Yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah it's, it is pretty rare to, to see even, I mean, obviously they didn't actually end up being used. It is kind yeah, of the, yeah. the letting the, the drama out of it a little bit. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it's pretty rare that, that you get to see like engineering deployed in like this kind of rapid, you know, rescue. Um, from a major company too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Certainly. I mean, occasionally you might see that from the military itself. Um, yeah. You know, have, have pulled off some pretty incredible things with with limited resources and yeah. short time. And no, and I mean that they the the work all the individuals did there was amazing. Yeah. At the end of the day, like yeah. getting them getting all those people out. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I honestly thought that more people were going to lose their lives. So yeah. just that the fact that just one person made, like, did not make it, like, that's amazing, yeah. one of the divers. So, yeah, because I, I don't know, whenever I just think of caves and diving, it scares the living crap out of me. So Have you done dive, cave diving? Not, not cave diving, and no. I will never. I don't, I don't touch blame cave you. Diving. Yeah, no, it's. Because, I mean, like, when you're underwater, it's, it, I guess it's kind of scary enough to think that my, I mean, you always have backups, you know, you, yeah. you have uh, two regulators, mm-hmm. but it's just the thought of um, of not being able to escape to the surface yeah. in a cave is just something that I, I would not want to deal with. And every year, cave divers die. You know, you, you can see some really beautiful things down there that you wouldn't necessarily see if you're diving in the oceans, you know, yeah. that's also amazing in itself. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just the risks are huge. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's documentaries for that. No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did it ourselves. Yeah. So just put on an Oculus or something, VR, yeah. and just go. I, mean, I can look up Everest on Google Maps. Yeah, like, I don't you know. You just take a picture and, like, put my face there. Yeah, know, yeah. There. Photoshop me into Mount Everest. Oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah. I guess there, there was one, I did see some um, people asking on Twitter and other places, and I think this is something we, we in particular can comment on, is, is why we didn't use some kind of, like, um, underwater autonomous vehicle or something like that, um, because I, I mean I think it's you know drones and and things like that have be, have come to be 
often a, a, an almost expected part of emergency response sure. at this point. I mean, both for, for surveying purposes, possibly for delivery of supplies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but underwater autonomous vehicles are, are still kind of an emerging part of, of yeah. research. Like we, we haven't, it, it's again, it's funny. It's, I mean, I think aerospace engineers, we like to revel in the idea that, that our systems are very cutting edge, but often, you know, the problems that we tackle in some ways are the, the easiest. It's, it's easier to make a flying plane, you know, an autonomous flying plane than an autonomous flying car. For exactly. Less things to hit. Yeah. yeah. yeah less yeah. cyclists up there. Yeah. 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 Less cyclists up there. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I guess with the, with the cave system, yeah, they had huge amounts of constraints to deal with. So like it, it may sound great that you could say, oh, let's use an autonomous uh, vehicle, autonomous you know, underwater vehicle to, to get them out. But the, as you said, the tech isn't there. It's yeah. extremely complicated. And to, to work with such a specific case, you know, you probably have to make a lot of modifications to make it work. And you know, I'd imagine. around in the cave. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Trying, trying yeah. to navigate a, a cave system. I yeah. mean, it's, the, I mean, I think this is one of the things that that is often like a big disconnect between researchers trying to explain things is the way just computerized vision and sensors work is is not like there, there's nothing intuitive about it right if, if you show a computer a picture of a cave you know like a tunnel through a cave it can't tell which part is safe to traverse and, and you know which part is a rock that it's going to hit and wreck it itself has no idea yeah and then they're like trying to build systems that that you know, for for a cave system you've never seen before, that you know, is, you know, there's no existing map to reference or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, something that that can just go into a new environment um, and just get that raw information from essentially just cameras on board it, yeah. and determine you know a safe path to travel um, is is you're know, kind of a holy grail at this yeah. point. I mean, in, I would be surprised if, if cameras could even work that way. I would imagine the water. As you said, it was well, extremely murky. So you could um, use LiDAR or... I don't sonar. Know you, oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. So, sonar is the common yeah. one yeah. underwater. Yeah, yeah. So especially yeah. underwater, you can use alternative sensors mm-hmm. besides cameras. But again, like, again, it's... Then you're just... You've you're got more restricted information. Like, now, yeah, now yeah. again, you have to figure out how... You know, where is safe to go, where is not safe to yeah. go. Just just on sonar or, yeah. or radar data that yeah. you've never seen before and, and you don't necessarily know how to interpret. Yeah. Exactly. And sometimes no. these... Sorry. No, no, these, yeah, no, it's good. These complex solutions aren't... The, you know, it's great that they're yeah. all fancy, but look what they did. They got a bunch of divers, strapped them to, you know, to a board and and put a you know, oxygen regulator on their face and off they went. Yeah. That was good enough. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes... And the speed is important. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the kind of the trick of reliability engineering is that you know there you know there's a lot of you know a lot of people put emphasis just on redundancy and things like that as, as part of reliability but it there there's a difference between redundancy in the sense that like your system works as long as a or b or c or d work but then when you get into situations where you need a and b and c and d to work that each point in that chain is is another thing that absolutely has to work and if anything yeah. along that breaks um, you know, that's a problem. And, and especially with somebody's life on the line, you know, if you had wanted to, to use a vehicle like that to perform the actual rescue, it would be bad enough if it broke on the way there. But, but God forbid it got there, you got somebody on board, and then it broke on the way back. Um, and that's just yeah. not something you can risk in, in a situation like this. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things I thought of first when you said at the very beginning, kind of going back to the beginning, you're like, well, people are like, well, why didn't you use it? My first thought is, well, if you what if you put it in the water and it gets partway there 
and then it's like, no, it's a dead end. You have yeah. to go on to land. Mm. Like, you, if you don't have also, it's both, if it isn't both amphibious, you know, th- there's mapping algorithms for, for you know, you got SLAM, simultaneous localization and mapping. You got that mm. stuff that can figure out where the where the submarine is and where it's, you know, where the environment, the environment around it. Yeah. But if it suddenly has to go on land, you know, yeah. you're or, or if it's too big to get through a gap, mm-hmm. then you have to turn around. And who knows if you can even turn around at that point once you found that out. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the redundancy, talking about that again, with, with the divers himself. So uh, w- how many were there? Were there like four for each kid? I believe there were two. I two. believe it was a two-man team. Okay. So, well, that was the thing. Because they would, they would have to, like, they'd go from checkpoint to checkpoint, and they'd do person by person. Oh, really? That's yeah. Awesome. So, they'd, mm-hmm. so they'd trap one person to the thing, mm-hmm. get them from point A to point B, and then go back to A and get the next person. And there were like, what, a dozen, more than a dozen people? Yeah, there were 13. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it took so long because it was one by one, every single person down there. Yeah. Strap you to this thing, go to the next place, leave them. Imagine the first person to go every time. Probably the coach, but like they had to have done <laughs> no, the I, coach think, first. I think the coach was the last one. The la- Oh, yeah, yeah, that actually makes sense. He, too. he stayed yeah. in the, the oh, cave to help yeah. keep the, the kids. Yeah, no, that makes more yeah. sense. But it was like either way, you, I, maybe not alone. Maybe they'd have someone else waiting there, but if they didn't, like, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, so their system worked out fine. And, uh, you know, they had the. The divers, so if anything went wrong with the kids' um, breathing apparatus, yeah. they could, you know, step Humans are better at adjusting. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't have to, like, Robots. you know, unplug something, quickly get a new mm-hmm. thing. Like, it's just everything was there, everything yeah. that required, which is yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely rescues and, and hazardous environment rescues are a big motivating driver for robotics development. I, I think the DARPA Grand Challenge has been focused on rescue um, for, for the last couple times that uh-huh. they did it. It makes um, sense. It's, yeah. a, it's a good challenge. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's very because very often you, I mean, somebody lost their life this time, not because they were part of the people that were initially trapped because you were sending people into a mm-hmm. hazardous yeah. environment. And if you can you know, do that with robots with a reasonable... Um, Even if it's just the original exploration. Yeah. You still have less people in harm's way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so that is that is a major driver, but we're just not there yet, yeah. unfortunately. Well, with the, the double Grand Challenge, are you, so are you talking about like the bipedal work? Yeah, like yeah, experimenting yeah. With yeah, so this is this is a, a government program that's been, there, there's been a, several of them. Um, there's that, a lot of them. Yeah, that have been conducted all with the oh. title like DARPA Grand Challenge. Uh, side note, to if you've never looked up DARPA Grand Challenge outtakes on YouTube, <laughs> yeah. highly recommend if you like watching robots fall over <laughs> yeah. trying to open a doorknob. Well, like, yeah, I mean, particularly yeah, if you look at, I think, um, like if you've seen like Boston Dynamics and like their Atlas mm-hmm. or like like robots essentially of that type, you know, which are sort of human mimicking. There were there was I think maybe this was around two thousand six two thousand eight. Was the last time that they were doing this big public demonstration? Yeah, it changes every year. Yeah, yeah. One year it was it was autonomous cars. Um, yeah. yeah, but the, there was a a human robotics um, challenge a couple of years ago, and and yeah, the the point was that I mean, if a building is on fire or there's been a chemical leak or, or you know there there's something in the air that there there is just kind of hazardous environment, you know, the better you can, the better and the more you can do with robotics, the because I, I think that the guiding rule in situations like this is is don't make it worse, right? Yes. Like whatever situation you're in, whatever plan you're going to attempt, mm-hmm. just just make sure it's not going to put you in a worse position ahead of time. Um, and so, I think that that's kind of the the thought that kind of drove it. Because, I mean, I think 
honestly, I think when the first the story first broke about the these kids getting trapped there, there wasn't honestly there wasn't a whole lot of hope in the reporting on it. Um, and I mean, it, yeah, it sounded yeah. pretty dreary. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and and I think. At, at times like that, people tend to want to, I mean, maybe reach for technological solutions and, and say like, okay, well, maybe this is just, you know, old assumptions. And I mean, we, we're living in a wonderful time of, of lots of technological <laughs> development, but um, yeah. And, well, as I say, don't fix what isn't broken, you know? So, yeah, yeah. If you don't need to have an advanced solution, then don't use it. So. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you, <laughs> I think that's, that's the thing that drove me nuts about undergrad was just like, you, you come to learn to be an engineer and, and you think that they're going to teach you how to build things. No, they don't. They just teach you how everything breaks. And, uh, <laughs> just don't do this. Yeah, yeah. Building yeah. things is the art of building things that don't break, <laughs> essentially. And so that, that I think, is kind of the, the takeaway there is um, technological risk is is a concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Amazing accomplishment, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the very, very nice bit of good news yeah. in, in what you know set of news cycles that is not necessarily filled <laughs> okay. with that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I know it was as you said, like the the news wasn't positive at all. So yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. but yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully by the time this gets out, there has not been another dramatic rescue situation. <laughs> yeah, <hopefully. laughs> yeah, just but, stay away from yeah. damn caves when the monsoon season is out. Rule yeah. yeah. Teach all kids. No, that. just stay away from caves. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we haven't even <laughs> touched upon, I mean, this is, again, remaining, I think, at least in some circles will remain controversial is just the fact that global warming is probably what's driving the, the, the drastic changes in yeah. our, our mm-hmm. you know, expectations about of what, when things happen in mm-hmm. the year and, and what seasons look like, but you know that i think i think for right now everyone just wants to you know just take a moment and appreciate that that this you know this is not the worst possible scenario yeah Yeah. so but yeah i think i think that's been an episode and uh we'll we'll catch you guys on the flip side yeah thank you so much for coming on alex we really appreciate you making it out oh thanks for having me and chatting with us you know watching some tennis exactly (laughs) there we go us versus uh south africa yeah yeah Yeah, so so we did actually end up losing the race to finish (laughs) yeah we lost they finished uh, the match yeah they finished the match before we finished recording uh, i mean yeah speaking of promoting south africa congratulations to kevin anderson on his victory yeah Yeah. i'll call him up you know everyone yeah yeah yeah, i'm sure you guys all know Kevin, listen buddy good job you're all buddies right yeah like you and musk right yeah yeah, we have to school together yeah Yeah. that doesn't does that match? Hold on. Fine. We had Cheetos together. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Alex is quite that old. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, but thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Farmhouse. We'll see. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.